And so welcome to UUCL's second summer service where our theme is transcendence. And in this case, specifically an unexpected turn in our lives that may have led us to a transcendent experience. Last week, we heard a moving message from the always eloquent Glenda Parsons. This week, I'll do my best with a highly unexpected turn in my life's journey at age 50, nearly 18 years ago. First, you need to know a little bit about my life from back then. I was a career-driven thoroughbred horse farm manager working every day other than a couple of weeks yearly vacation. On call 24-7 with very little social life outside of the horse community. And a home life lacking in, well, feeling like home anymore. Two daughters I helped raise in my first marriage were grown and moved out. And I found myself looking for something to do outside of my job and my house. When I read a small notice in the community section of a local weekly paper, Blue Ridge barbershoppers meet weekly in Warrenton and so on and so forth. Now, I hadn't sung in a chorus since high school or any other organized group since college when I was in a mostly just for fun garage band. But barbershop, I was familiar with it. I knew it was four-part harmony, and I figured I could carry a tune. So I showed up the next week and was welcomed with open arms and a few sheets of music to carry home that I could barely read. Over the next couple of months, I learned my part, baritone, to a few songs and sang at a couple of Christmas holiday events with the group, and I was hooked. Most barber shoppers will tell you they came for the harmony and they stay for the fellowship. And in my case, both were true. I can honestly say that for the most part, I have only met the finest people in, the, in this hobby. Singing for many of us is fun and it feels good when you're in a decent group. And that would have been enough for me to enjoy a hobby like that for many years. After all, back then, even at 50, I was usually the youngest guy in the room. And our International Society of Barbershop Singers has trended senior for many years. <laughs> but along the way, as I got more involved, took voice, voice lessons, I, jo I joined a regular quartet, I traveled to conventions and competitions, whether competing or as a spectator, and my musical life began to expand. Along the way, the same thing happened to me that I've heard many of my longer-term barbershop friends say about themselves. I became a better singer, a better performer, and a better person because of barbershop. You see, in order to get better at this craft, I had to learn to feel emotions that I had long suppressed as a typical male in our society, I suppose. I learned to appreciate the beauty of poetic lyrics, lilting melodies, and I got to witness the effects these songs could have on audiences at all levels of society and of all ages. I've had many transcendent moments because of music since becoming a barbershopper, but I'll describe just a couple for you in detail. Almost since the beginning, I've participated in delivering singing valentines in a quartet nearly every year on Valentine's Day. One year, my court quartet did our last delivery of the day, ordered by a lady at her home for her sister who was visiting from out of town. They were middle-aged twins. But the visiting sister was undergoing chemotherapy for brain cancer and probably terminal. We sang our standard song, Let Me Call You Sweetheart, and they thanked us profusely. Could we perhaps sing another? We started our arrangement of the song, Smile, and our bass singer, noticing tears in their eyes, choked up himself. And then we all choked up. We had to stop singing. We had a moment. 
Then we regained our composure and finished the song, forever changed by having been there for them when they needed us and needed some encouragement and a reason to smile. Everyone in that room shared a deeply human connection, the kind that sometimes only music can bring. Then just last year, my chorus in Alexandria had scheduled a joint concert with the Alexandria Singers, a mixed chorus, and a visiting mixed chorus from Christchurch, New Zealand, who would be making their first stop with us on a multi-city U.S. tour. Just days before their departure for the States came the horrible mass shooting at the mosque in Christchurch. But they made the decision to honor their commitments and come to America as their nation grieved. Our leaders quickly adjusted the program and we had speakers to come out that represented the local Islamic community and the New Zealand ambassador to the United States also spoke. We then did our program, which ended with all of us joining together in two songs as if we were all, and, and it, was this, it was as if we were all New Zealanders that evening. All of us brothers and sisters in harmony and grief and love. Another very important result of my barbershop adventure is that I am here today, a 14-year member of UUCL. You see, there came a time 15 years ago when my chorus at that time here in Loudoun County brought in a coach to help, help us polish up a couple of songs. Her name is Sally Galloway, and she later even became our director, but that's another story. Sally has been, among other career pursuits, a life coach, and I was looking for improvement in several facets of my life, music included, so I ended up as a client. A few months into the project, I realized I was feeling a desire for access to a spiritual, a spiritual revival, I guess you'd call that. I had been churchless since becoming a teenager. Sally helped me set up my search as a project, and the process led me here after much online research to UUCL. The first time I came in the door, I felt like I was at home. I found out I'd been a UU all my life without, without even knowing it. And coincidentally, the first or second Sunday that I came here, I left right after the service to head for D.C. Sally and her husband had encouraged me to attend at the MCI Center an appearance by the Dalai Lama. His talk there with around 15,000 other folks in attendance touched and inspired me. He stressed compassion in our human relations as the most important thing in life along with maintaining a spiritual practice regardless of domination. And I'm still here all these years later, learning and growing. The most unexpected result of my turn in the road came when I was discovered, first by what I'd probably call the UUCL choir recruiters, Chris King and Peggy Fallon, among others. And Peggy, nice to see you here this morning <laughs> so I can remind you of that. So I joined the choir and some community theater folks in Middleburg through a small community choir I had joined in Upperville in hopes of getting better at my singing. They asked me to be in the chorus of their next play. I hadn't been in a play since high school and, and not a musical ever. So I accepted because I really didn't know what I was doing. I assumed we'd be standing on the side of the stage and accompany the stars just, just singing in a chorus. <laughs> Imagine my surprise when I found out we had to learn choreography and I even got assigned to sing a solo song while playing the guitar. 
I managed to overcome a serious bout of stage fright and an even more serious case of laryngitis to pull all of that off. And discovered that while I was in a play about uh, the, the town of Middleburg from, from the 40s and 50s and growing up then, the play was titled, It Was Mostly Fun. And well, it, it really was mostly fun. And so I did some more summer musicals with the Middleburg players off and on for a few years. And I got volunteered by Chris King to be even the choir director here at UUCL for a while too. And that was, uh, it was, it was a wonderful experience. And later on, while doing community theater, I became friends with and eventually fell in love with my wonderful wife, Joni. She and I actually met briefly for the first time when my barbershop quartet was invited to her restaurant while delivering singing Valentine's. And she sang an impromptu song with us. <laughs> Our quartet was okay, but as those of you who have heard her know, she can really sing. I am here today, and I am who I am today because one day I started singing barbershop. But it's time to go a little further back in the story, in the connection to my father. In Robert Fulgham's story, the father stuck it out through thick and thin. Later in the story, the father receives a letter from his by then 16-year-old son who tells him how much he hates him and never wants to see him again. He does not tell us exactly why, but we'd guess the typical rebellious frictions that threaten nearly every father-son relationship. Earlier, we saw the Leo Kotke song that has resonated with me along those lines. As hard as we may try, we are all flawed in some ways. Most fathers try their best, but cannot always deliver on their promises or provide the perfect home for their children. Tell me why, Mr. Kotke implores, everybody tries, everybody lies. There may be no good answer other than we are human. When I was six or seven years old, my own father didn't really run away and disappear, but he left our home nonetheless, and my parents divorced, with most of the blame placed squarely on my father's shoulders. My sister and I didn't see much of him for two or three years, an occasional Sunday afternoon together, or maybe Christmas Day with our cousins. We missed out. We missed out on so much, and my emotional response was to numb myself as much as possible to feelings of any kind and emotions. I learned how to survive by not really hoping for much so as not to be disappointed. Eventually, my father remarried, and we had a stepmother and a new stepsister about my age, about the time we were 12, 13 years old. And we had more regular weekend visits, and in my teenage years, we discovered more about my, our father, including his alcoholism. To say that he battled alcoholism for many years would be untrue. He and my stepmother fully embraced it. She never stopped drinking until the day she died, but in his 70s, my father became ill with severe liver problems. And his physician told him, quite frankly, that he could drink or he could live, but he couldn't do both. So he stopped. And that's when I felt like I got my real father back again. Another thing we discovered about my father in those teenage years was that he belonged to a barbershop chapter and we were dragged along to occasional barbershop picnics and a couple of chapter shows where I watched in secret admiration as that chorus of men sang so well and where their featured quartets rang brilliant chords and told corny jokes. 
The songs were mostly old and to a diehard rock music fan at the time, like myself, quaint at best. But there was something about that sound. My dad quit singing with them about the time I graduated high school and rarely talked about it again. But when he did, it was always with a smile. And he and my stepmother always loved to sing along with me and my acoustic guitar at family gatherings when they could persuade me past my stage fright to get the guitar out. Along with the pain of alcoholism in our family, my father gave us many gifts. He tried and he lied, but I think he did the best he could. From him, I got a work ethic I saw in him from day one. He was up every day at 5.30 in the morning, hung over or not, and went off to work. He was a manager, and so am I. He loved music and dancing, and so do I. He was a barber shopper, and because of him, I answered that ad in the paper 18 years ago and received perhaps his best gift, the one he probably never realized he gave until he visited me in, in Virginia, traveled up from Kentucky a couple of years before he died, and came to a barbershop chapter meeting with me, and we sang our closing song along with him, a song called Keep the Whole World Singing. Can't think of a better motto for anybody, for any organization. When he died a few years ago, I sang at his funeral, his favorite hymn, The Old Rugged Cross, and I got out the guitar. I'd have liked to sing a James Taylor song that day, but I didn't have it in me. My father's name was also James. And this tune always reminded me a little of the challenges he must have faced in his life. And then there's this line, thinking about women in glasses of beer. 